y'all doing this morning? Lord have mercy. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> y'all go ahead and take your seats, if you don't mind. Or you can stand if you want to. All right, y'all. I'm going to jump right into it. Now, the last couple of times I talked to you, we was talking about um, faith, right? Yeah. Talking about imagination, right? Um, last time we spoke, we, we said we talked about rediscovering your imagination. Uh, we learned how the imagination was fueled by hope, and hope was the fuel of faith. And I challenge you to go back and figure out where you stopped imagining things, because a lot of us stopped using our imagination along the way. Uh, then we learned that it's not just enough to use our imagination, but it must be purified. Um, our imagination should be purified through intercession in order for God to show us what he has intended our purpose, uh, for the purpose of our lives. Uh, we also talked about uh, the fact that our imagination can run wild on us at times, right? Uh, and when that happens, then we start going into fantasy. And we talked about the difference between anointed imagination and fantasy. Um, Y'all remember that? Yeah? No? If you don't, you can go back and look at the videos from, from the past. But I, I'm going to try to sum this up as best I can so we don't take up a whole lot of time. But um, we learned how fantasy was uh, when we only wanted things for ourselves or had desires that pleased ourselves rather than pleasing God. Um, and the fact that anointed imagination was a kingdom-centered uh, uh, a perspective, not self-centered. Um, we looked at the fact that we were made, we, 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 uh, we made up a lot of promises saying that God told us we could do this and how, when in fact that wasn't the case at all. Uh, we, uh, we, 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 we learned that we had to go back and study the promises. That's why I said study to show yourself approved, right? Um, we could spend all day going through all of this stuff because it's good stuff and there's a lot of it. Uh, but I urge you, like I said earlier, to go back and check out the messages, not only those, but the ones that Bishop's been talking about, because we're talking about building your faith, growing your faith, right? Um, all of this is designed to build you up, and hopefully you'll learn why that is so important today. So as we continue to talk about faith and building this thing from imagination to manifestation, um, I want to talk about the environment of your faith or the habitat of your faith. Or I like this one, the atmosphere of your faith. Um, what atmosphere are you trying to believe in? Some of us are living in atmosphere contrary to what we are believing. We surround ourselves with things and people that are opposing, as the young folks say today, they're the ops of what we are believing God for. I can't believe I said that with the young folks saying today. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> some of us are living in a place that is warring against what we are believing, what we're believing God for, and God is challenging us to find a new address. Some of us are living on insecurity court or lying lane when we should be living on Breakthrough Boulevard or Anointing Avenue. We need to change the address of our faith. See, what we need to understand is that certain things can only live and flourish in certain atmospheres. Amen. For example, if you put up that first slide for me, please. 
A flower can flourish in which of the following environments? A vase, a bouquet, or soil? What would you say the answer would be? C, soil. Exactly. Soil is definitely not the most beautiful atmosphere. It is not, it, it, I mean, it is, it is more beautiful, the flower is more beautiful in a vase. It's more, the presentation is better in a bouquet. But the only atmosphere the flower can flourish in is the soil. See, some of y'all missed that. Let me help you. Some of you are going after the atmosphere that looks good or presents well. But God wants you in an atmosphere that's a little dirtier or more uncomfortable than what you want to be. But that's the atmosphere in which you're going to flourish. That's the atmosphere in which you'll grow. That's the atmosphere in which uh, you'll begin to walk out the purpose that God has for your life. That's the atmosphere in which you're going to get to see the full potential of all God has for you. Many people don't understand that it takes the right atmosphere in order for us to reach the fullness of what God has for us. All right, let's, let's do one more comparison. Faith flourishes in the atmosphere of A. Next, there we go. Doubt. B, fear. Or C, belief. Exactly. So how do we say we believe God, but everything we believe him for, we plant in fear? Or how do we say we believe God, but everything we believe him for, we plant in facts? God wants us to put our faith in an atmosphere that can flourish, and that atmosphere is belief. And that leads us to our first point for today. Faith flourishes in the atmosphere of belief. If we don't place the things God has said to us in an atmosphere of belief, it will not flourish. The ideas and things that we've seen in our anointed imaginations uh, must be protected and placed in an atmosphere of belief. So if when I, (laughs) if, if when I found out that God had called me to pastor... And I was in an environment of pessimism and doubt. Well, I was for a little while. (laughs) See, some of y'all here now and some some of y'all watching. (laughs) See, when I was in my stupid phase, there was no way God could use me. Not only that, uh, some of y'all doubted the anointing on my parents' lives. Mm -hmm. Because there's no way that they could lead a church when they couldn't even get their son to do what he was supposed to do. But what was not seen was the constant battles in the spirit realm that was happening between the angels and the Satan's imps that were sent to choke out the calling on my life. The 3 a.m. prayer sessions and Bible studies and constant reminders of who God said I was. Regardless of what I was doing in that moment or what others thought I I, I said or should be doing in that moment, the constant reminders that God had a plan for me. And though the weapon was formed, it won't prosper. (laughs) 
Because the word that was given was put in the atmosphere of faith. Somebody say atmosphere of faith. See, some of us don't have anybody around us that can believe with us. We're holding on to a promise from God in an environment that will choke out the very thing that will cause us to flourish. You know, that's why, uh, uh, that's what they tried to do to Christ. You know, Herod had them go out and kill every male child two years and under. Because the best time to kill a king is when he is a child. Just like the best time to kill a dream or the promise that God has given you is when it's in seed form. Check this out. Some of the places that are most comfortable to you are killing your purpose. Some of the places that are the most familiar to you are where your purpose will be taken out. Let's look at Romans 10, 17 for a moment. Romans 10, 17. It's a very popular scripture. We all probably could quote it forwards and backwards. Um, It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We've heard this verse a million times in our lives. It's a very common verse. But it hit me a little different this time. If we look at this, it says, so then faith comes by hearing, comma, and hearing by the word of God. Yeah, that's a Salah moment. Faith comes by hearing, comma, and hearing by the word of God. See, most of us miss the comma. God said, don't skip over the comma. It's there for a reason. So then faith comes by hearing. This is a principle. Faith comes by hearing. Your faith is strengthened by whatever you're hearing. Whether it be faith in God, faith in man, faith in money, faith in ministry, faith comes by hearing. In this scripture, we have a principle and then we have a priority. The principle works no matter what. Faith comes by hearing. This is the principle. And then the priority is hearing by the word of God. In other words, He says, I'm going to guide you as to what you should hear so that your anointed imagination can produce a vision that can flourish in the right atmosphere of faith. This next point is about to mess some stuff up in some of y'all's lives. Whoever has your ear has your faith. Whoever has your ear has your faith because faith comes by hearing. And the priority of that hearing is the word of God. But the truth of the matter is, in a seven-day period, what percentage of what you're hearing is the word of God? We hear a lot of gossip. We hear a lot of bad news. We're hearing a lot about sickness and COVID and who's sleeping with who and who did what to whom. We're hearing a lot, and all of it is building our faith. Why? Because the principle doesn't change. Faith comes by hearing. Whoever has your ear has your faith. So who has your ear? Is it the news? Some of us can't make it through a single day without reading the newspaper cover to cover or watching all the news broadcasts throughout the day. Is it a political party? Is it a beautician or a barber? Uh Uh-oh. 
Y'all know some of the best gossip in the world comes out of them hair shops. How many times has your opinion of someone changed because of what you heard? Don't answer that. How many blessings or opportunities to be used by God did we miss out on because we wouldn't talk to or we withdrew from someone based on what we heard about them? Who has your ear? Is it your boss? Just because they control your promotion does not mean they control your purpose. Who has your ear? Is it a specific podcast that makes you feel good or is it teaching you how to better yourself or how to make money or how to spend money? And don't misunderstand me. All of this is good stuff. I'm not saying it's bad. But can you be successful in what God has for you based on these platforms? We really need to evaluate who has our ear because uh, if you don't evaluate this, uh, I don't have to know whether or not you believe God. I can just look at your atmosphere or who or what you're around and know where you stand. I don't have to know whether or not you're a person of faith. I can just talk to your top five friends and know where your faith is. Uh Uh-oh. Your friends will expose your faith. Tell somebody, your friends will expose your faith. Put it in the chat right now. Somebody put it in the chat. Your friends will expose your faith. If you find yourself in a situation and you call your friends and they're saying, well, I I would leave him or I would leave her and I wouldn't mess with them no more and I would leave that church if I were you or the doctor told me that, if the doctor told me that, I would start making plans. Your friends will expose your faith. Sometimes the people that you know and love can kill the purpose that God has for you. And this leads us to the next point. You must protect your ear to protect your purpose. You must protect your ear to protect your purpose. Remember, whoever has your ear has your faith. And you must protect your ears to protect your purpose. God is going to give you ideas and plans that nobody else has done or or maybe not on the scale that God has given you, but you have to protect it. God is not going to give it to you and then protect it. He gives it to you, and then you must protect it. I can't just watch any movie or any documentary. I can't just listen to any song. I don't care if it is the number one song in the world right now. God gave me something, and I must protect it. Now, this means that you must have the title of today's message, A Circle of Faith. Every believer must have a strong Circle of faith. Now, in order to achieve what God has ordained for our lives, we're going to need a strong circle of faith. Somebody might say, I don't need nobody. I can do it myself. No, ma'am, no, sir. God never called you to carry out a vision alone. God may give you the vision alone, but then he expects, it, expects you to share it with a trusted group of people because he never intended for you to carry it out alone. He will never give you a vision that does not include someone else. 
this walk, this Christian walk, this faith walk, our, our very lives and purpose are not our own. They're not for us. Any idea that we're given is not for, it's all for somebody else. The anointing on our lives is for somebody else. The gifting in our lives is for somebody. None of it is for you. Do you get a benefit? Yes, you do, but it's not for you. It's for others. That is our very purpose of being here. Remember back in the Bible when uh, Jesus sent the apostles out? How did he send them? Two by two. Even when he died on the cross, he died with two other people. So if I want to see the promises of God come alive in my life, I need a circle of faith. Now, the first, the first ring of this circle is a family with faith. Watch this. The circle of faith starts with your family. You don't get to choose your family, unfortunately. But the best thing is to have a family of faith. The beginning of your circle starts, uh, excuse me, the beginning of your circle of faith starts with the household you were born into. It's one of those things that's not fair because everyone wasn't born into a household of faith. But check this out. Family is one of God's big ideas. If you look through the history uh, and all the references in the Bible that are made to family, all of the mentions of sons and daughters and this generation and next generation and third and fourth generation and uh, the church is the bride of Christ and all of these references to family. Maybe you weren't born into a family of faith. Well, you can create one. You could take your, your little cousins or your nephews and nieces or grandchildren or brothers and sisters. You could take them out to Wendy's and get a faux faux. <laughs> Sit down and talk about the word. Yeah, faux faux. See, we done came up. We, we left the McChickens and stuff, McDoubles alone, right? Yeah, we, we, don't, we have faux faux status. And if you're living real good, you can get the $5 biggie bag. <laughs> maybe you could create a place where they can bring their dreams and ideas a safe place to communicate for them where they can talk freely and you can shape their opinions with the word of God so the first ring in the circle of faith is a family of faith you might not have it but you can create it now the next ring in the circle of faith uh, you have control over it's your friends so this next point, friends with faith. So your friends in grade school through high school are what I like to call friends of survival. You were just trying to survive the social awkwardness. So you tend to cling to people that like the same things you do. But here's the thing. If we don't mature out of that, all of our friendships will be based on survival. Who can help me get a promotion? Who can help me make more money? Who can get me to the next level? Who makes me feel okay about myself? Even in my dysfunction. Some of us have ride or die friends, and that's exactly what they're going to do is ride you until you die. (laughs) Because they will never correct you or tell you to your face that that's not the person you should be with. 
I wouldn't do that if I were you. That is a stupid idea. What we need are friends picked out of survival. Uh, excuse me, what we don't need are friends picked out of survival, but out of necessity. Our friends should be necessary for our purpose. They should challenge us without ever saying a word. We should see something in their lives that said, mm, man, I need to do better in that area. Being around them should, should make you want to say, I want to be a better husband or a better wife. I need to watch what I eat because, you know, my eating is out of control. You see, uh-oh. <sighs> Amen. Or I may, think, I may need to adjust my prayer life because it seems like every time I turn around, my friend is sharing me what God revealed to them in their prayer time. Our friends should challenge us to fulfill our purpose just by being in their presence. Now, this next ring is serious, and all of us don't have them, but we sure do need them. We need fighters with faith. I can have family, I can have friends, but if I'm going to reach all that God has for me, I need a few fighters. I need people around me who have the audacity to believe for me even when I don't believe for myself. Fighters with faith will sacrifice to see you go into your promised land. Many of us don't have fighters in our corners ready to fight for our purpose. See, people like to, to play Peter, James, and John, you know, and, and when they were in the garden and Jesus went to pray and them jokers fell asleep. But check this out. They were there. They may not have been perfect, but they were there. Even when Jesus woke them up, he didn't kick them out the garden. He gave them another opportunity. There were some fighters. Check Peter out. Remember when they, they came after Jesus? <laughs> he pulled out that blade, <laughs> cut that ear off. <laughs> and Jesus was like, oh, my bad. Let me put this, put this ear back on. He was ready to fight for Jesus. Now, that was not the correct way to be fighting, but nevertheless, he was a fighter. He wasn't just going to let anything happen to Jesus. So, some of the people we call bestie and lifelong friends or the people closest to us have our ear. Who's talking to you? Who's shaping your life? I need somebody in the trenches with me. I need somebody that will fight for me when I don't have any fight left. See, I don't want to be real. I need somebody who will fast on my behalf even when I'm not fasting. I need a fighter. So, in Numbers chapter 13, Numbers chapter 13, y'all familiar with the story of Joshua and Caleb, right? Let's look at Numbers 13 real quick. Verse 1 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, 
you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. So basically, okay, so let's, 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 let's look at this. God said, I, 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 got some, I, got, I got a land I want you to go into. But before you go, I want you to send 12 spies to go check it out. And then bring back the report to let the folks know what they're about to go into, what I've given them. So they went on over there. They got over there. And uh, it was a beautiful place. Land flowing with milk and honey. Uh, everything was in excess, in abundance. They, if you, if you did some research on it, they talked about how big the fruit was. If you could imagine, they said a bushel of grapes would have to be carried on a two by four between two men. Imagine a grape the size of your head. Like that's what, that's the kind of stuff that existed in this place. I mean, everything that you could imagine, all the, the, the fine things of life. And God said, I've already given that to you. I just want you to go check it out and come back and tell, tell us what you found. If we jump down to Numbers uh, 13, verse 25, I'm going to read this. This is, this is uh, the New Living Translation. I kind of like it the way it reads a little bit. It, it kind of brings it to today's language a little more. It says... Uh, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses and Aaron. And the whole community of Israel and Kadesh in, in the wilderness of Paran, they reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had brought back from the land. This was their report to Moses. Said, so, well, um, we entered the land that you sent us to explore. And it is, it's indeed a bountiful country and a land flowing with milk and honey. Uh, matter of fact, here, here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful. And their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. The descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in, in, in the Jeev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites and the Gladys Knights and the Pips. <laughs> they all live in the country hill. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But see, Caleb stepped up. Caleb said, shut up! He tried to quiet the people and stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. Amen. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour everyone. Now, you know they were just lying. But no land eating nobody. About <laughs> anybody who goes there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And they thought we were too. <laughs> See, a lot of times 
we'll take our fears and cast them on somebody else. You know, we respond to people the way that we expect us to respond to them. Y'all know what I'm saying? So, so okay, so somebody, you, mis- you messed up, you mistreated somebody, whatever, whatever, and that person is like, well, okay, no big deal. But your response is, oh, my God, they're mad at me. Oh, they're not going to talk to me anymore. Oh, they're not going to be my friend. So you avoid them like the plague, and they're looking like, well, what's wrong with you? you the one that did whatever. Why you, why you treat me like I did something? Because, see, we take our expectations and put them on other folks. So when Caleb spoke, this is the language of a fighting friend. Caleb asked everyone to be quiet and stop talking. Why did Caleb try to quiet them? Watch this. What they say will affect what you'll see. I don't know who your they is, but what they say will affect what you'll see. See, if my parents had listened to the they's who were around them during my foolish days, I probably wouldn't be standing here today. One thing you need to realize is that the people you love and the people you trust are not always people of faith. See, verse 31 says, but the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour everyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's why, that's what they thought too. Don't let anyone else's fear cripple your faith. Don't let anyone else's fear cripple your faith. Be careful who has your ear because leading with feelings will always spread fear. That's why 1 Peter 5 and 7 says, casting all care upon him, for he cares for you. So because 10 came back and had the ear of the people, they literally fought to remain in slavery that God had already brought them out of. If we looked at Numbers uh, chapter 14, verse 1, it says, So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. Now, <laughs> they get this report, and they immediately go, oh, God, what are we going to do? All the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the, in the land of Egypt, if only we had died in slavery, if only we had died in that bad situation, if only we had died in that bad relationship. Or if only we died in the wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Why is it not better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt or return to slavery. So imagine signing up for the military. Then you have to go to war, which is, you know, kind of what the military is responsible for, defending, right? So that means you got to fight. So you sign up for the military. Yeah. Time to go to war. No. 
called up, but nobody asked you to do it. You volunteered to do this. Yeah, time to go fight. No. That's, that's the state of mind these people were in. So now if we, if we skip down to verse 26 in chapter 14, uh, because I want to show you something. God was sick of these jokers. <laughs> if we look at verse 26, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I've heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Remember we said faith comes by hearing. God said, I've heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so will I do to you. So you're telling me the words that I speak, God is listening to them? Every I'm broke or this sucks or I don't see why or you can't tell me or you mean to tell me God hears all of this and I'm building his faith? Verse 29 says, the, car the carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, except, somebody say except, for Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. So God said, I gave it to you. It's yours. All you had to do was go in there. But because you let somebody who had your ear speak that negativity and, and build that fear, now, you know what? You, you done said you wanted to die? You, you said you wanted to be in slavery for the rest of your life and your day? Okay. You shall have what you say. It's all yours. Notice that only Caleb and Joshua made it in because of their faith. Theologians believe that there were about 2 million people here. So that means 1,999,098. Hold up. Did I say that right? 1,999,998. All of them, except two, didn't make it in. Write this down. God has ears too. He's listening to how you respond in your wilderness when the doctor gives you a bad report, when the bank says no, when the school calls about little Johnny and Susie, God is listening. That's why it's so important to make sure your circle of faith is strong. We must have family with faith friends with faith, and fighters with faith to protect and help us carry out the vision or promise that God has given us. So then I ask, who has your ear? See, the whole thing about this story was that if the Israelites had listened to Caleb and Joshua, everyone would have lived in promise, but instead they died in the wilderness. So I challenge you to evaluate everybody in your circle, everything you listen to. Because these things have your ear and in turn are building your faith. Because faith comes by hearing. 
And the priority is hearing the word of God. How many of you live to listen to our, our, our podcast on a weekly basis? Don't answer that. Or you go back and watch the live streams on Facebook. Don't answer that. I don't want anybody to get in trouble and have to repent later. I'll give you an example. Uh, our podcast in the last 90 days, the highest listening rate was seven. That was on November 10th of last year. Seven. We average four listeners a week. So, if you're not listening to the word that was preached on Sunday, what, who ha, what has your ear? And the thing about it is those numbers I just gave, the seven and the four, all of them are in our membership. We got listeners in Nigeria. We got listeners in, in, in Argentina and, yeah, all around the world. But those of us who sit here, come in every week, we ain't listening. Who has your ear? Just something to think about. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for illuminating your word in our lives today. Father, we're going to take a moment to step back and evaluate our lives, our situations, our circumstances, our friends, our circles. And God, we ask that you forgive us now for not putting you first in everything we do. As a ministry, we declared that we are going to prioritize this year and put first things first, God. So we're going to go back and we're going to evaluate our, our family and our friends to see if those circles help us to reach our destiny in you. Everything that we do, God, our desire is to please you. Forgive us, God. Cleanse us. Allow us to move forward and fulfill the purpose that you have in our lives. In Jesus' name. Now, there might be somebody in the room or watching online that has not yet, I'm stealing your thunder, Minister John, accepted Christ as your personal Savior. It's as simple as ABC. First, admit that you're a sinner. Secondly, believe that Christ died for your sins. And thirdly, confess that he is Lord over your life. If there's anybody who desires to do that, I want you to pray with us right now. And Spring, we're going to pray out loud together for those in the room and those watching so that nobody has to do this alone. We just said earlier, we have to do this together. Yes. We walk this thing out together. Yes. So let's pray. Say, Father, Father I, thank I thank you for an opportunity, for an opportunity of, forgiveness. of forgiveness. Thank you for sending your son. To die just for me. Thank you, Lord, that he was raised from the dead just for me. I ask you to forgive me. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And I'll forever serve you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody ought to give God a shout of praise real quick. Somebody somewhere just entered the kingdom family. Thank you, Lord.
Now, if that was you, whether you're in this room or watching us, if that was you, I need you to do me a favor and text the word SAVED to the number 627-9900. Text the word SAVED to 627-9900. Why? Well, I tell you, we want to partner with you. We want to partner with you on this faith journey. It is a journey like no other. You have made the best decision of your lives today. And we have some information that we want to send you. We want to connect you with the church in your area. Or if you're in this area, come on down and see us. We would love to have you. And we just want to solidify. Father, I thank you for everyone who prayed that prayer today. God, I thank you for the, the family members returning home. I thank you, Father, for the, 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 the precious anointing that surrounds them, that hedge of protection. We bind the hand of the enemy in every attack, and we call it cursed now in the name of Jesus, God. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit leading and guiding each individual to a life of victory. We thank you and give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.